Welcome to the inaugural episode of Back Porch Comics, where we nerd out on all things comic related. I'm your host, Mundo, and this is my co-host, Noah. Say what up, Noah. Yo, yo. And here we are going to be talking about our six top uh, comic book moments and maybe enjoying a hot dog fresh off the grill. (laughs) How are you doing today, Noah? I'm doing awesome, aside from <coughs> how I just choked on my Mountain Dew. Yeah, well, your first problem is that you're eating Mountain Dew, so <coughs> we don't need, but I don't think that there needs to be much more explanation on that. And I mean it, if you drink Mountain Dew, I think of you less as a human being. And, and no one knows it, too. You know what? That's fine. I'm used to it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, grown, I've grown comfortable with that. Yeah, as, as you should. Uh, but before we get into our main topic... Uh, a recording of this episode uh, we had just both had seen the new wandavision that's what episode five yep yeah what did you think of episode five Noah? it was awesome <laughs> that ending dude man i think so it's really cool seeing them instead of like really trying to make wanda a undoubtable hero uh-huh they're almost playing her up as like the villain. She is very, she has a very sinister light like casted upon her right now. Yeah. The the thing that is so brilliant about it, especially by now is once again, they say this in the episode and I love how they did it to remind the audience. Um, but to people who pay attention like us, uh, she isn't a hero. You know, like she is somebody that that started out that was was radicalized, uh, almost a terrorist and then turned to the light side from the Avengers. But even in the Avengers, you know, they held her on house arrest. And I just feel like already there is a veneer of cynicism yeah. and evilness about her, not because of her personality, but just because of the, the cast that she was given. And now to see that she's kind of like after after Endgame and after Thanos and everything, you know, she loses the man that she loves after she had already lost her brother and like her exactly. and her parents. Yeah, and her parents, kid. you know, um, it just seems like she's finally just saying I've had enough. Yeah. You know, if I'm I have all these powers, I'm the only Avenger that could take out Thanos on my own if I wanted to. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that's great. I think it's awesome. I, I was really, really, ha- I'm really happy with it so far. Yeah, it's, it's right now. I feel it's the MCU's equivalent to Mandalorian in terms of like how important it is to the ongoing plot of the MCU and just like the quality of it and the storytelling, just everything about it dude, is so cool. It's so Yeah, good. you and I had this, had this talk not too long ago. Um, you know, there's this talk within the, uh, you know, modern day cinema of if Avengers movies, if superhero movies are can even be considered uh, movies or even more so or less so, depending on your opinion, if they can be considered art. Yeah. You know, and this is by far the most artistic thing that we've seen out of the Mar- Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, Absolutely. And if we, you know, the next one that's supposed to come out, I believe, is um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And if Falcon and Winter Soldier brings even half 
the creativity and care that they've put into uh, WandaVision. I mean, I, I think we're up for a series of really great stuff coming up within the next year on Disney Plus. Yeah, I mean, it's already been proven that Marvel can also dominate the small screen just as much as they can with the big screen because mm-hmm. you look at all they did for netflix yeah yeah yeah. The, with all the, the series the, the that they smash had. hit uh, uh daredevil which i think is undoubtedly the best thing to come out of that oh my god yeah uh to the point that charlie cox is is rumored to be in spider-man 3 yeah you know which i hope that he is the dude's a terrific actor um I personally have not seen all of Daredevil. I've watched about the first half of the first season, and I know that everyone tells me that the second season is whenever it really gets its legs. Uh, but I, I enjoy it a hell of a lot, and I really am excited uh, for what they're going to do and what they're going to do going forward. Yeah, I would really, I would love for them to get the full licensing from Netflix to bring the series over to disney plus and then they continue on with that story because the third season of daredevil is so good yeah it is so good yeah (laughs) and now have you watched the other netflix marvel shows yeah i've watched the only one that i haven't seen all the way through yet is luke cage luke cage that's weird everyone says that's the second best one after daredevil yeah that's just that's one i didn't really get through that one that one an iron fest is it because you hate black people (laughs) he doesn't hate i'm mexican by the way (laughs) he's one million percent not racist (laughs) or maybe i am and i'm just really good at hiding it. oh you'd be a better actor than me buddy uh so this is once again this is our our first episode we're trying to figure out what exactly we're doing here but something that that Noah and i has always talked about are comic book moments yep right um, we are two very longtime comic book fans. Uh, no, why don't you tell the listeners uh, what some of your personal favorite comics uh, are? Not the moments yet, but like if if you saw one at a Barnes and Nobles or or the Comic Swap, that's our comic book store. Uh, what would compel you the most to buy it? <laughs> if anyone knows me, obviously the top answer for that is going to be Spider-Man. Anything Spider-Man related, I'm going to pick up in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking about asking you this question uh, earlier today before we, we uh, started recording. So now I'm going to blindside you a little bit. Um, what do you, what is like the most obscure comic that you, you would say that you have read? Uh, punk Rock Jesus. Oh, love punk rock jesus yeah punk rock jesus i think is the most it's insane (laughs) it's one of the most insane comics i've ever read yes it's insane um but i also sean murphy's uh uh, punk rock jesus yeah yeah breakout breakout series there yeah but i also think that that's like the most non-mainstream that i've gone sure the only other the only other one that i kind of got significantly in but haven't like fully gone through and fully experienced is lock and key oh yeah i love lock and key lock and key is fantastic yeah and from what i've read so far of lock and key oh my god it's so good yeah now um for you listeners just so you guys know uh 
Noah is much more into the Marvel side of things, uh, comic book wise. Whereas I am, I, you know, not that I've read more comics than him, though I probably have. Um, my, my repertoire is much vaster than Noah's. Uh, I am a reader of image comics. Um, I just started picking up a couple titles from a new publishing company called TKO. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah, they're supposed to apparently be like on the rise. Um, so I'm really excited to to a tactical t- knockout in comics. <laughs> oh <say>. boy! Wow, <laughs> you're really getting it, aren't you? Um, yeah, and I like my Godzilla comics, and and uh, you know, no one knows me very well. Um, he knows that my favorite comic series of all time is a little ditty uh, from uh, uh, from Image called Chew. Uh, I love that series so much. It's kind of what got me into comics, honestly. I remember yeah. uh, I had a I had a friend in college that told me that he said, you know, we're talking about comic books, and by this point, I had a couple of Deadpool comic books, a couple of Spider-Man comic books, a couple of Batman comic books, kind of your garden variety uh, uh, regular comic book reader. Yeah, and he tells me verbatim, he's like, uh, I like graphic novels, is what he told me. Which to me, you know, graphic novel was just like a collection of of comic books. But the way that he explained it is that a graphic novel um, is a comic book that isn't structured around the superhero saga. Yeah. You know, it isn't about wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It's a lot more interpersonal. That doesn't mean that you can't have a superhero graphic novel. Yeah. But, you know, the whole thing of like rising action, fight with the bad guy superhero loses first round recollects himself discovers new thing about bad guy goes back whoops his ass second time gets the girl that's comic books yeah right um and so whenever he told me that i asked him what he thinks is something that i should check out and it wasn't his first suggestion his first suggestion was the walking dead um but one of his first suggestions was this was this chew and I mean, it's it, to this day, it's one of the few comic books that I, I got and I bought every compendium as it came out. Um, I would even pre-order it at the comic swap, our comic book store. And I love it. I mean, it, 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 without Chew, I would not be the nerd I am today. And I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> yeah, I mean... In terms of my broader experience with comics, yeah, I'm more, I'm definitely more than like the Marvel side of things. Mm-hmm. And that's more so of what I consume. Because I mean, like, and we want to, and I'm going to put this out there right now that listeners, you like what you like. Mm-hmm. Like, don't listen to me and, and think that I'm talking down on Noah here or any comic book reader. The thing that I want more in life than anything, pretty much, is I want comic books to be a thing forever. Yeah. You know, I always want there to be comic books around. So whatever you buy, and please buy it, you know, it's a dying industry, so to speak, and they need our support. Yeah. Anyways, sorry to interrupt, but continue. (laughs) But it shows by the fact that all the moment, well, all but like one of the moments, all but two of the moments 
that I have chosen for my list today, all but two of them come from uh, Marvel. Oh, wow. Two of them come from DC. Oh, but wow. still, DC is like another like mainstream company. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, I'm more so into like the mainstream comics. Although, again, I do always try to branch more into... Yeah, I've given you a couple of things. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, yeah, a lot of those are ones that like you almost have to have a friend that has it, you know, like, oh, hard yeah. to find them like on your own. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like with, especially with these more obscure comic books, it's hard to find, it's hard to like, I don't know, almost like understand the appeal of them mm-hmm. because everyone is so used to the superhero saga that like it's hard to get that more obscure concept and really dig into it yeah yeah um and what we're gonna dig into right now we're let's just get into the main topic of the of of our first episode um you know in the future we're gonna be you know i i like the idea of this uh being like list centric uh you know i'm I'm my brother-in-law is more of a fan of lists than i am he's always (laughs) saying that's top three that's top five (laughs) um but we decided to do a top six right and uh, we decided that we're going to go with our top six comic book moments, right? Um, and I'm really excited to talk about this. I am too, know? dude. Um, especially because I got some really obscure ones that I think you're going to be super into. Um, especially uh, uh, as, as, I, as I go through this. Um, oh my God, I love comic books so much. <laughs> Um, no, do you want to start us off with your number six? So <clears throat> my number six pick for my favorite comic book moments. <laughs> I love the way that I have it written down. <laughs> sure. Why don't you read it verbatim? Ultimate Spider-Man gets died. <laughs> Just gets- I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a little green squiggly lie <laughs> under that. Informing you that that is not grammatically correct. Uh, it comes from Ultimate Spider-Man issue 160. So <laughs> I love this moment so much because it it is it it's such a good payoff. So to, what's the build-up to this? So <clears throat> for the last couple of issues before this, uh-huh. before this event started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the ultimate universe just went through their first major like event called Mm -hmm. cataclysm sure so new york was destroyed by a tidal wave caused by magneto yeah and they're still trying to recover from that peter has that happened in cataclysm yeah okay and it's now been i think whenever this like this last run for peter before miles came in it starts up i think six months after the cataclysm event sure um peter has to deal with different enemies now he has to deal with a bunch of heroes that were killed during this event not being there anymore oh yeah he is a lot more involved with like the x-men because at this point i think he starts dating kitty pride again okay um a bunch of stuff's going on and it ends up coming into like its own like civil war type of thing where the ultimates were fighting with one another. Um, 
in the issue before Peter dies, he is on the George Washington Bridge fighting against a couple of the Ultimates, and he uh, his spider sense goes off. Punisher takes a shot at Captain America. Whoa! Peter dives in front of this bullet and takes this bullet through the side. Whoa! So this is the issue before. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> at this point, uh, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark were training Peter because at this point in like at the, in these comics, he's still in high school. Like he is still yeah, it's a reboot of yeah. the Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. is still uh, he's still in high school yeah. during the Ultimate series. Sure. Which I'm going to toss this out here right now. High school Peter Parker, best Peter Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he is undergoing training from them because they don't think that he is responsible quite enough to be a hero yet. Yeah. Like really be considered like a superhero. 16. Yeah. Understandable. So they're giving him training and everything. Peter like takes this bullet for Cap. Damn. And a bunch of his villains break out. And they are attacking Queens. Okay. Because they know who he is. Okay. Yeah. So they are going after his house. And that's, it's their Sinister Six that comes up. So it's like Electro's fighting him. Rhino's like mm-hmm. kicking his ass. Um, I forget what other villains are like there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But while he has this gunshot wound, <laughs> yeah. he goes back to Queens and fights these guys. And then... Uh-oh. Norman Osborn shows up. Green Goblin. Son of a bitch. After Peter just takes down all these different enemies of his, here comes Norman Osborn, who just a couple of hours Fucking prior... runs down to the ring with the Money in the Bank briefcase. <laughs> who just, like, a couple of hours prior crushed Doc Ock's head. Really? Yes. Wow. All because he like disagreed with Norman and just wanted to be done with everything. Like he yeah. didn't want to fucking. He didn't Ultimates fight didn't give a fuck. Yeah, like, they're 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 willing to just kill anybody. Oh my god, yeah. Wow, it was such a violence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Violent, so, so Osborne comes in and, and what does he do? He starts wrecking the shit out of Peter, and yeah. he is threatening everybody. Um, Peter gets pissed off, and he like starts fully throwing everything into him because at this point Norman has killed. He killed Harry. Yeah. He's the whole reason that Harry died. His son. Yep. Yeah. Um, Peter's gone through just so much. Like Gwen died. She became, she was absorbed by carnage. Uh, <clears throat> somehow came back to life. Comic books. And we'll chop that down to comic books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like Peter's just been through so much. Norman has tortured him for so long. Yeah. And he's just like, he's not holding back with his punches or anything. And he is just giving it his all. It ends up, he picks up a truck and drops it on Norman to try to finally take him down. Sure. And it explodes and throws Peter back. <clears throat> and his Aunt May comes over. She's like holding him. She's like, you know, I can't lose you. I already lost Ben. I cannot lose you too. Yeah. And my favorite, my favorite line, like one of my favorite lines in comics ever is Peter looking at his Aunt May and saying, I saved you. I couldn't save him, but I saved you. Mm-hmm. And then he dies. Those are his wow. last words. Unbelievable. And like, that sounds oh amazing. God, like thinking about it now just gives me chills. dude. Yeah, dude, that sounds really cool. And through, through Peter dying, we got Miles Morales. Of who course. Has been having that was such, my, that was about to be my, my, my next question. So this had to be the cataclysm. Yep. 
to how Miles Morales becomes uh, the, because I knew that he's the ultimate Spider-Man, written by Michael Bendis, I believe. Yep. Um, Michael Bendis, man, what a, what he, a, he, what a he, mind. He started the entire what a, ultimate universe. What a mind. Yeah. What a great dude. Yeah. Um, my number six, uh, uh, you know, I once again, I'm, I am really going with some ob- obscure things here. Um, back in the late '90s, early 2000s, Alan Moore uh, decided to start his own uh, comic book uh, publication company called America's Best. And one of the flagship series on that is a series called Top Ten. Top Ten's really cool. It's about a city that is uh, populated with, they call them science heroes. But what it is, is a city populated by superheroes, mm-hmm. you know, where if you have a superpower, you go and you just live here, you know. One of my favorite background panels is the hot dog vendor heating up the hot dogs with his laser vision. You know, so no matter what your superpower, you have a job, a regular job here. So top 10 is about uh, a police precinct that goes around and like polices these these science heroes. And, you know, because you need a police squad if you're going to have a whole city of superheroes. Yeah. You know, and in the second volume, uh, the first issue of the second volume uh, uh, you uh, throughout the series, you hear about something going on uh, called the Blood Space War. I think that's what it's called. Um, oh no, the Gamers War. Sorry, the Blood Space War is from Night Vale. Um, <laughs> the Gamers War, uh, and you don't really know what that is, but then you get this uh, distress call, and this, you know, they they're saying how um, it's there's been a crash, and one of the gamers is on earth. And so they show up and it's like a giant horse warrior. Right. All right. This does sound weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of looking like, kind of looking like, uh, 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 what's his name? Gamma Ray Bill. Right. Um, except he's giant. And in his side is a dude who crashed his car in him and he's been like fused to him. <laughs> and they're both dying, right? And so one of the one of the uh, officers from Top Ten is like trying to get help for both of them, and you know, kind of t- starts talking to this horse. Um, and this horse is is saying that it, it's just such a beautiful speech. I mean, it goes on for like two pages, this long, long dialogue from this horse. And what he's talking about is how if you look up into the night sky you'll see blackness and it surrounds everything. And the fact that it's black out there means that there's no hope. Mm. Right. But if you look close enough, you will start seeing specks of white in the night sky. Right. Stars, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 the fact that those stars are there, even though it doesn't outnumber the blackness, those stars are important. The very fact that we are surrounded by darkness and that there are tiny little points of light means that good has already won. Okay. 
and then he dies. Okay. <laughs> and it is just because like the, the series like jumps back and forth between like these crazy situations. This is like easily the most somber that the that the series gets. And the way that Alan Moore, master of dialogue, Alan Moore, um, makes these characters talk to each other. You know, this dude that's been fused with him is like freaking out and like cursing him and telling him that he's a piece of garbage, that they need to save him, that you're useless if you can't save me. He ends up just accepting it because of this wonderful speech man that this giant horse warrior <laughs> gives him big ups on top 10 i love it uh, uh that's another one of the things that i really think you should you should check out uh noah you're gonna get a lot throughout these episodes you're gonna get a lot of things <laughs> from me that that's kind of like what the hell is he talking about and i'm gonna be so into it <laughs> yeah and the very first thing is a giant horse warrior awesome that, that apparently teleports also <laughs> i can't think of anything better for me yeah so why don't we go back and forth um with with our numbers so i'll do number two uh first okay um i mean i'll do number five <laughs> right numbers um next up i have um batman superman and i've given these like oh i'm sorry number five you got this got number four there oh what it is (laughs) spoiler spoiler uh my number five is from a series called johnny the homicidal maniac oh okay (laughs) okay let's go let's go yeah uh, you know Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, right? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, for those unacquainted, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac is the uh, breakout comic series uh, by John and Vasquez, uh, who is the creator of Invader Zim. And it is about what it says it's about. It's about a homicidal maniac living in a dystopian city uh, who's just able to get away with his murders. He's fucking violent, and it's scary sometimes how crazy he is. He is, he is so... Oh my god, he is so goddamn nuts. Have you read Johnny the Homicidal Maniac? Yeah. Okay, cool. So you'll know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. So there's a moment in issue three, which I think is the best of all the Johnny the Homicidal Maniacs, um, where his neighbor buddy, Todd, a.k.a. Squee, gets separated from his mom in a mall. And he's looking for his mom, and his parents already clearly don't care for him. And he's looking, looking, looking. And all of a sudden, this guy rolls up and he is like the epitome of a pedophile. Like he has like like uh, uh, a track pants on. He's like balding. He's fat. He has like pit stains. He's yeah. like clearly smelly. There's like warts and bubbles all over his face. He is like the grossest dude you've ever seen. And he goes up to Todd and he's like, yeah, I can help you find your fucking mom, you know? And and Todd's like, can you really? And he's like, yeah, she told me she'll be right over here. And he leads him to a back alley where he's like, you know, your mom is going to be with you sometime soon. And since I helped you, maybe you can do something for me. Todd's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, why don't you just close your eyes and why don't you just stay quiet? You know, um, 
he's clearly about to do something horrible to this kid. But yeah. right in the nick of time, Johnny shows up with a lead pipe. And he goes on a really, really humorous and interesting uh, uh, discussion about the human psyche. Yeah. You know, about what makes people people and how at some point a person kind of stops being a person and is instead a machine. And no matter how faulty a machine is, it's still only a machine and can be fixed. And so how does Johnny solve this problem? Beats him with a lead pipe. And rips out the dude's brain. Yep. And it is awesome. (laughs) Dude, it's awesome watching him rip apart this pedophile. And it's just like, why can't every single child who's ever been sexually abused be saved at the last minute? Well, and of course, you know, (laughs) <laughs> of course the the little kids they're like scared as fuck <laughs> he's like cowering and screaming and like johnny's like see he's just he's got blood just like a machine has oil you know and it is the 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 dichotomy between them is just so funny to me um because it's like either way that kid is fucked up for life <laughs> oh yeah you know he was either gonna be he was either gonna be molested and raped but now he didn't get that. So instead he gets a much easier <laughs> side of it and watching a dude like disembowel another dude. Um, great stuff. Dude, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac was like, it was like reading that comic and then watching Invader Zim. Like, <laughs> you get a hint that, like, because watching Invader Zim, um, especially if you watch it now, you can definitely tell that j- something is up with John Vasquez. Like he is, is so really weird about that dude. I read a story about the dude that um, voices Gurr. That the first time that he met Johnny, uh, uh, he was going in to like have an interview or something for voicing Gurr, and Johnny says like, "Come on in," and you know, knocked on the door. Come on in, and the dude goes in. And Johnny is sitting in a pitch black room watching a video of a monkey being dissected. <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, he's just like the weirdest dude. He's just the weirdest dude. Uh, you're number five. <laughs> That's like me playing Red at 50 50 in high school, dude. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, what is going on here? Dude, some of the things I've seen on that website. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So my number five moment comes from the only standalone issue of Star Wars Vader Down. Oh wow. Oh wow. Let and me you guess. know exactly Let what me moment. Yes. Oh, all I'm surrounded by is fear. <laughs> so go on, tell them, because this is awesome. I love this. So leading up to this moment, one of Vader's like competitors for being the emperor's right-hand man mm-hmm. deceives him into going someplace looking for luke because at this point the death star has been destroyed yeah and vader knows who his like he knows he has a son yeah this is a a series in the comics that takes place in between a new hope and empire and empire yeah right because and... there's i think i think a two-year uh, a timeline between those two. Yep. Yeah. So <clears throat> he is tricked into going to this planet. 
and it is a rebel base. Yeah. It's great. They know the Vader's there. Yeah. And a entire sea of rebels surrounds Vader and oh. tells him, you are surrounded. Yes. And Vader, the only response that he they're has. Trying to get him to, they're trying to get him to surrender. Yeah. You know, they're trying to get him to surrender. And at one point, they're just like, there's one of you and there are hundreds of us. Like you said, you're surrounded. And how does he reply in the most badass line maybe ever written in anything that has ever been published? Hit him. In the first bubble, all I am surrounded by is fear. And in the second bubble, this was separated. Oh, my God. And dead men. Oh, if you are a rebel pilot or a rebel uh, 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 trooper in that moment, are you shitting yourself? I don't, I think I would be so absolutely terrified that like, I wouldn't even be able to do that. My body would just block up. It would just like shut down. Yeah. It'd be like, like I would immediately, immediately start crying for my mom. Yeah. Cause this dude is already beaten me. <laughs> he has already defeated me and my troops. Like Darth wow. Vader is such a terrifying character. Oh, I love these comic runs that they're doing with, with Star Wars uh, in that time frame. Like seeing how well, <laughs> because, because like, you know, we're both huge Star Wars fans. And, you know, if you watch um, the the original uh, trilogy, you get the sense that everybody in the universe is terrified of Darth Vader, but you don't see him do a hell of a lot. You see him, him like, you know, force choke somebody. But even the people that are working with him are like your weird sorcery ways that are on the way out. You yeah. know, nobody believes in the force and you're kind of a retard yeah. <laughs> for believing it. You know, then you choke somebody without touching them and they get like terrified. So like you get like, like these tiny little blips. And then like, even in the prequel trilogy, like especially in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Like Anakin does a lot of like fucked up shit, but like even so, like all those moments that we see don't occur until like the very end of the movie. Yeah. And they're like it's a very brief thing. Yeah, really, yeah, the yeah. only sort of real time that we spend with him as a villain is whenever he's fighting Obi-Wan. Yeah. And then bam, he's Darth Vader. Yeah, absolutely. Just to get it all back to the status quo where the original trilogy was. And the most time we spend with him in the original trilogy um is probably in in um return of the jedi whenever he and luke are fighting in front of palpatine yeah you know and he finally like comes back but like you still don't get this you don't get a reason in the original trilogy why he's so terrifying yeah and like even he doesn't take down whole platoons of rebels yeah you know he doesn't even beat up luke in the in in star wars yeah you know so it's really fantastic these comics what they're doing and like showing a grander perspective of the star wars that we know and love and why darth vader is the most terrifying person in that galaxy yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. It is great stuff. Vader down is excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Vader that down entire storyline, dude, that entire storyline. I'm like, Dr. Afra and like the, oh, and yeah. the droids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh uh, what's, what's her, what's her Wookiee black Carissian? Uh, goddamn. Something like that, dude. BK. That's the best Wookiee ever, dude. I oh, love man. that guy. And Boba Fett coming up. Yep. Oh my God. Yep. yep, yep. <laughs> Oh, about that. It's you're up, dude. What's your uh, number five or number four now? If I could figure out how numbers work. <laughs> um, before we get into that, is there a way to compose this? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, so no, you you are up. What is your number four? Uh, top comic book moment. So my number four is Green Goblin dies. I actually have it as Spider-Man kills Green Goblin, but that's not totally oh, true. Oh shit, the revenge. Yep, that's not totally true. Um, but <clears throat> I love this moment because it follows the death of Gwen Stacy. Okay. Uh, absolutely killed by the Green Goblin, but uh, like objectively killed by Spider-Man's web. Uh huh. So, for anyone who doesn't know about the death of Gwen Stacy, which I don't know why you wouldn't, because this yeah, happened this back like in the seventies. Comic books one hundred and one. Yeah, <laughs> everyone who knows Spider Man knows the death of Gwen Stacy. She, yeah. Like they know she dies. <laughs> that's the whole point of her. Yeah. Um, but that's the whole point of her. <laughs> <laughs> At least the original Gwen. Stacy. She's like you're like you're like yeah she's just a MacGuffin. <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious. So, um, Green Goblin finds out who Peter is. Uh, yada yada, a bunch of stuff happens. Harry gets addicted to LSD and loses his fucking mind. As you do. Um, <clears throat> Peter beats Norman in a fight, and Norman ends up getting amnesia for a little bit and forgetting that he's a Green Goblin, forgetting who Spider-Man is. Um, actually becomes, like, a decent human being and a decent father to Harry. Oh yes, I called, I called that the, uh, uh, Spider-Man 2 Cinemonia. Yes. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> his memory ends up coming back as it would and he becomes a Green Goblin again and he kidnaps Gwen to lure Peter out for a fight. Now Peter at this point, he's sick. He like has the flu or something so he's not, he's not fully there. Uh, comes back sees a pumpkin bomb lying on the floor on top of Gwen Stacy's purse. Yeah. And heads out to the George Washington bridge because that's of course where Norman would go because he is big in the money and George Washington is his favorite president because he's on the fucking dollar bill. <laughs> Cause again, Norman likes money. He's rich. <laughs> so that is like the, the, like the, almost one of the stupidest things. <laughs> <laughs> like i understand for such a serious story that is such a ridiculous thing yeah, like that is so you know that reminds me of an episode of uh of south park where they're trying to figure out who really perpetrated 9-11 <laughs> and they're like why would you do this and dick cheney's there and he's like because of beautiful money <laughs> <laughs> um so <clears throat> Uh, Goblin knocks Gwen off the bridge 
at some point and Peter tries to catch her and shoots a web catching her at her ankle and the whiplash of that broke her neck. Uh-huh. Ooh. And at this point, this is that the is first... a that is a rough scene, man. Yeah. Especially like him holding her and like he's like, No, I saved you. I saved you. Like Yeah, it's some really, really, really terrific stuff. Yeah. Um so at this point, Peter has lost the only girl that he has ever loved, and he lost him to or he lost her to the Green Goblin. Yeah. So <clears throat> he's obviously pissed off. Fights him, goblin escapes. Uh Peter goes and chases him down. Finds him in one of his like hideouts, one of his warehouses, and fights him there. And Peter is beating the shit out of him. He is destroying him, and he's about to kill him himself. Really messing him up a bit. When he stops and he realizes that if he does that, he would be no better than him. Yeah. But Goblin is not going to accept this defeat. Of course. So he activates his glider. Yeah, because like goblin is willing to die if it makes spider-man seem like an asshole <laughs> and die he does because and die he does peter moves out of the way of this glider and it pierces him yeah and like if you want to know what it like kind of if you want to know how it basically goes it's basically the scene from the first spider-man movie like it's basically that yeah that's what that scene is inspired by is this moment uh where he does the the little backflip yep yeah man dude it's it's so good and like after goblin drops to the floor dead peter just stands over him he's just like you know okay he's dead but like what does that leave me that just leaves me feeling empty you know yeah it's a perfect yeah in fact like this this doesn't make me feel any better. This, in fact, makes me feel worse. Yeah, like, it's a perfect way to tell people that, you know, revenge really does it doesn't give you anything. Yeah. It leaves you more hollow than anything else. Yeah. Because, like, at the end, like, you know, you no longer have something to hate. You know, like, you know, even though hate is not an emotion that you, like, should give into it's still an emotion, you know, it's still something that you can connect with. Whereas revenge just leaves you with nothing, you know? Yeah. And, and, and especially like that ultimate revenge, uh, where once again, like, like the whole concept of that, of that story is that once that revenge hits, you do start realizing that you have become what you have been fighting against Mm -hmm. and boy is that a is that a a really bad really bad moment yeah i mean it's a beautiful moment it's just like the circumstances around are just terrible yeah yeah definitely the better storytelling compared to (laughs) one more day That is not in my list, I promise. Of course. It's of actually course. number one. Which <laughs> is the moment that saved Spider-Man. <laughs> it's definitely not the moment where a lot of people were pissed off. Everyone loved this decision. As it would be. Yeah, let's uh, sell Peter's marriage straight to Mephisto. <laughs> so, yeah, like, let's sell my marriage to the devil to save my aunt who's been... <laughs> who's, all, who's geriatric. 
And, you know, like, what a load of bull donkey. Fuck you, Dan. Like, why do they... <laughs> Fuck you, Dan Slot. Like, honestly, dude, what were they thinking in that? <laughs> what were they possibly thinking with that? Take him back to basics. Take him back to... <laughs> take him back to living with his aunt. Oh, my God. What a stupid decision that was. That, no, if... Peter is not allowed to grow up yeah i mean if if we were to do a list of most questionable moments in in our comic books that would have to be at the top right absolutely yeah honestly jesus christ that and letting the clone saga go on for 10 years i don't want to get into that <laughs> no who, i mean jesus why would you just thinking about it like, makes me so mad Listen, like, here's the deal with, here's, here's the deal with that. It's like, here's the deal with reading. Okay. It isn't the deal with like producing. It isn't the deal with anything like that. It's a deal of like, why would you even read it? (laughs) Why would you even like, oh my God, I don't get it. And and I like Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man a lot, but the Clone Saga just might be the worst thing. Alongside One More Day. Alongside One More Day, yes. Like, oh my God. All right, my uh, uh, number four. We on number four now? Uh, yeah. All right. My number four is from uh, Superman Batman, and I have a little... Um, uh, little subtitle for this i have it called respect among comrades so superman and batman are two of the earliest uh comic book superhero characters to ever be invented right and they are super popular to this day and it breaks my heart that we have not had a true superman movie yeah um, I mean, we, I mean, modern because the Chris Reeves Superman movies are great. Oh yeah. You know? Um, but the problem is, is that modern day superhero movie creator, or at least the people that Warner brothers wants to do them. Yeah. Uh, they don't really understand the like idea behind Superman and um, how it makes everyone better uh uh for it now the thing about this comic book series that that i'm going to be talking about right now it's called uh, uh superman batman it's by joseph loeb uh who is the same dude that wrote the long halloween uh widely considered to be one of the best batman writers ever and he gives a voice to batman that is so unique that you can't imagine anybody else using it and interestingly enough, he does the exact same thing with his portrayal of Superman. Hmm. So Superman, Batman go off and they get into some crazy shenanigans and end up becoming fugitives of the United States. And like the Justice League has to hunt them down. They end up releasing supervillains from prison. Wow. To uh, uh, capture these two. And it's just so cool watching Batman and Superman interact and like their respect for each other grows 
and the and the art is awesome the art is like cartoony but like a really fun cartoony that doesn't take away from the seriousness of it because it's a serious book you know um and early on in the book not just early on the book but throughout the book you get uh voiceovers coming from both sides right you get a batman voiceover and then you get a superman voiceover and every single time they're kind of like echoing each other mm-hmm. you know what is the difference of, of Superman and Batman? And while you're reading it, you're like, oh man, these guys are actually like pretty much the same person, right? Um, and it's so cool to see their relationship, bro. But at the beginning, uh, you have this moment and, and I just told uh, uh, somebody that I cannot say this any better than it coming directly from the page. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, this is uh, Batman, Superman, Batman, not Batman, Superman. This is Superman, Batman, uh, issue three uh, by, by not Joseph Loeb, Jeff Loeb, mm-hmm. right? And uh, there's, a, there's a moment in it where they are fighting uh, uh, two massive villains uh, who are using technology and magic against them anybody who reads enough superman comic books knows that kryptonite ain't his only weakness Mm -hmm. he can't do magic right um and batman he's a technological master but he's also a master strategist yeah you know (laughs) who can kind of circumvent anything coming up against him so uh we we start uh with batman and this is this is awesome this isn't like a, a a singular like punch pow whap zam bam moment this is a moment that i love just because of the text i love it so much because of the text right um we start off with with batman he says it is a remarkable dichotomy in many ways clark is the most human of us all then he decides to then then he shoots fire from the skies and it is difficult not to think of him as a god and how fortunate we all are that it does not occur to him man is there a better way of describing superman no it's incredible there is no better way it's incredible how he takes this this character that everyone all they talk about is how they don't like Superman because he's impervious. Mm-hmm. That isn't the point of the Superman character, Noah. Never has been. <laughs> you Zack know? Snyder, get it through your head. And, and, and Jesus and so once again, we go to the other side now. Now we have Superman describing Batman. Right? Ooh. Sometimes I admit... I think of Bruce as a man in a costume. Then with some gadget from his utility belt, he reminds me that he has an extraordinarily inventive mind and how lucky I am to be able to call on him. So you have this dude who is impervious to anything and and can survive and regenerate and has a skin that bullets can't pass through and he is in awe at the human because the human can think better than him yeah 
while at the same time, Bruce is an odd Superman for being a power source that he can't compete with. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. It's, it might be some of my favorite texts in comic book in general is Batman and Superman describing each other right there. <laughs> and, and the whole book is filled with, with tiny moments like that, but I don't think it ever comes to a crescendo like it does right there. You know, the first, so, so the story behind this was that um, back whenever I was on Facebook, I was part of, you know, I, I was subbed to like comic book, you know, awesome comic book pages. And that was it. It would just be like single pages of, of comic books. And this page came out and I read it and I was like, that is the coolest fucking thing I've ever read in my life. But for the life of me, I could not find the comic book that it came from, right? Well, you know, a year and a half ago, I started getting into a little, you know, I go through Batman kicks, who doesn't? He's the best. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I read The Long Halloween, then I read Dark Victory. Um, then I read another one from, from Jeff Lowe, but I can't remember what it was. Um, and then this one, Superman and uh, Superman Batman came up on my like Amazon recommends. You know, it was $20. It's like 300 pages. I'm a big fan of like comic. You know, I love a substantial comic book. Yeah. So I was like, that's enough for me. Click, boom, bot, arrived in the mail. And I'm just like reading this through my time, like three years later. After you originally saw this frame. Like, yeah, after this, this page. And all of a sudden I read and how fortunate we are that it does not occur to him. And I'm like, wait a fucking second here. I found it. Yeah, it was really like a eureka moment for me. <laughs> you know? Oh my god, those are the best. Yeah, dude. It, it's a it's a it's a great read. Oh Big recommend. There there was a page that I follow on Facebook. I haven't seen them post much lately. Um, but it was comic panels out of like context. And <laughs> It's one of my favorite comic panels. It's like one of, it's one of my favorite, like it's one of my favorite pieces of text in the comic where it's this dude in like a cowboy hat with like a mask on, like a weird mask on. And he says, two nights ago, I had a very queer experience. Now listen, <laughs> I've used that. Like I've sent that to so many people, like tell people stories about whatever I worked at. That's a great, <laughs> that is a great way of, of starting a conversation. <laughs> Two nights ago, I had a very queer experience. Now listen, <laughs> but like I forget, I forget exactly what comic it was from because I I've known about that panel for I like a number of years now. But like I found the comic that it was in, and I saw that, and I'm like, bam, there yeah. it is. <laughs> I love I love moments like, like Leonardo that. DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you go home, mess up your mind, I'm gonna blow your brains out of that pretty pool of your it's my favorite moment in any Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, I'm up first for number three. Yep. All right, so number three. Uh, this one is super, super cool to me. Uh, so once again, I, I started reading graphic novels like I do now in college. Um, and I go to Comic Swap. And I'm talking to the workers there. And one of the workers, John, who would end up becoming a pretty good friend of mine. Uh, you've met John. Mm -hmm. um, we are, I'm asking him, 
what I should pick up. And I keep on seeing, they have a huge collection of them at the bottom of their, of their stacks. Sandman. Oh man. By Neil Gaiman. Easily one of the best comic series ever. And that's what, you know, I picked it up and I'm, I'm you know, I, I Google it on my, on my compu phone and, you know, the things that I'm reading about it is that it's the comic book for intellectuals, uh, that it's more than a comic book, that it's an epic. Um, at one point, it won like a world's fantasy award. And, and it's the only graphic novel to have won that to the point that the next year they put in a rule that comic books are not allowed to be in it. Yeah. Um, so it's the only one that's ever won. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, did Sandman is amazing. But they didn't have volume one. So I do something that I'm famous for, in my opinion, <laughs> is I buy volume two. <laughs> There's so many graphic novel series that I bought the second issue first <laughs> and then went, which I'm going to say this right now that I think that's a good way of doing it. Because if it gets you in the second volume, then you know that the first volume is going to be good. And you know that it's something that you're going to want to continue with. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I can, I can subscribe to that. That's my, that's my defense of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this comes from a, a, a Sandman volume two. It's called a doll's house, which in which it isn't just cause it's the first Sandman uh, graphic novel that I read. Um, but it, I think it's the best one. Mm-hmm right it never gets better than than uh, a game no i'm sorry the doll's house uh, uh it never gets better than a doll's house um but about midway through it you get this kind of offshoot story that has nothing to do with the rest of the comic book right and it starts off with this dude his name's uh, will hobbs and hobbs uh is is a drunk <laughs> in in um in like 1400s england and he's there and he's you know jolly old death can go fuck itself (laughs) i don't believe in death the only reason why people die is because everyone does it (laughs) but i don't like it and i don't ever want to die you know and everybody's (laughs) just like god damn hobbs is losing his mind over here you know get him another ale get him another drink you know and 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 morpheus the lord of dream walks in with his sister uh death and they're watching hobbs like over there and and uh his sister's like see this is what i was telling you about some humans are more interesting than others uh why don't you go and give him what he wants you know and so sandman goes up to him and he's like he's like do you really think that death is stupid he's like it's a cards game and i want nothing of it (laughs) you know and sandman's like very well then if you're serious about that then meet me back here in a hundred years and hobbs like that was the weirdest bloke that i've ever seen (laughs) you know um and so morpheus leaves hundred years later morpheus is waiting in the tavern and in walks hobbs <laughs> right and hobbs is like i don't know what you did but you know it's kind of sweet 
<laughs> you know, I haven't died yet. And that's pretty awesome. Um, I have some business adventures. I've made some money. I went up north and came down as my own son. <laughs> and, and life is great. You know, life's fantastic. And Morpheus is like, so you don't want to die yet? And he's like, nope, still don't. He's like, very well, come back in a hundred years. And so he does so. And he comes back this time and he's like, yeah, fucking rich. <laughs> you know, I've had a, I've had a kid, you know, I've met the, the love of my life. Oh, and there's this really great thing that uh, I, I just started doing. Uh, it's really cool. You go to Africa. <laughs> You know, and before this meeting ends, Morpheus is like, stop with the slavery shit. That is not okay. <laughs> you know, and he agrees to meet him again in another hundred years. And, and so the story progresses that like every other page is another hundred years <laughs> that he comes back and every single, you know, one time he comes back and he's all in rags and, you know, his hair hasn't started falling out, but you can tell that he hasn't taken a bath in a while and he's all fucked up and morpheus every single time is like you're probably done with this shit now right <laughs> and every, every single time he's just like nope no he's like i got too much to live for you know i love it i love living it's the best thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> you know and so every time morpheus is like all right see me in a hundred years 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 until the last time right until the the 1800s one it's been a couple hundred years and he's talking to Hobbes is like what's your deal <laughs> you know finally he's like i've been thinking about you for a while now like why don't you age why don't you die how come every hundred years when i come here you're here and morpheus is like I don't understand what your question is. And he says, see, I think I figured this out. You have real power, but you don't have any friends. And the reason why you asked me to come here for a hundred years. So you have somebody to hang out with. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cute. <laughs> right. And Morpheus is pissed about it oh my God. he is pissed that this dude would insinuate that he needs mortal companionship <laughs> right of course you know and he gets up and leaves in a huff but this time Hobbes like follows him out and he's like fine then I'm gonna be here in a hundred years and if you come here in a hundred years the only reason why that is is because we're friends <laughs> you know the thing is, is, is at the beginning of the Sandman series, De uh, 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 Sandman gets locked away for like 70 years in a glass jar hmm. and, you know, really has time to reflect on the bad things that he's done in his life. Yeah. But also has a chance to now miss the, the beings that, that ha he had surrounded with. So it's just a wonderful scene whenever Will is sitting at that tavern and he's kind of like forlorn 
you know, he's kind of like there's a paddle of him looking to both sides, clearly looking for his pale friend, mm-hmm. you know. And then, like, he looks up and he's like, I didn't think you'd make it. And Morpheus just says something to the uh, voice of, you know, what, what else are friends for? <laughs> you know, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Uh, that whole issue is one of my favorite things in comic books. It's just written so well. And uh, yeah, I, I just love Hobbs. He's like one of my favorite characters in, and he might be my favorite character to next to, uh, next to, next to the crow. That crow's fucking awesome. <laughs> There's a recently dead dude that becomes a crow and is like Morpheus's little servant. <laughs> <laughs> like it's great because he's like he's like us you know he's like the reader so he'll be like what the fuck was that and Morpheus will be like oh is this a bad dream and he's like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's great he's great <laughs> yeah uh you're number three my number three comes from all-star superman easily one of the best superman comics ever oh hell yeah and it is the moment where he manages to keep a teenage girl from jumping off of a building. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Saying that, you know, her, she was upset because she wasn't able to see her doctor to, or to see her therapist. Yeah. And like, just everything was getting to her and she was just, she was ready to end it all. She was on top of this building and Superman flies in behind her and says, your therapist actually did get held up, Reagan. Wow. Like, there's no lying. There was no lies. It's just something that happened. It's something that always happens. But, you know, there's always another way. Which that is, in that one scene, that's the entire theme of this story, All-Star Superman. Because did you read All-Star Superman because I told you to? Yes, and I also watched a uh, the animated movie. No, I've oh. never I've never seen the movie yet. It's pretty good. Um, no, I watch this dude on YouTube called a uh, Cosmo Variety Hour. Oh sure. And he did a video on why Zack Snyder doesn't understand uh, Superman. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I just I just asked that because I know that I've used that as an ex- that exact series as yeah. an example of why I like Superman and, and why nobody seems to understand how to make a Superman movie. Yeah. Like, and I've also seen that page, like this moment on, yeah. like I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it on Reddit. I've seen it on Facebook. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen that page for so long now before I ever read the comic and reading the whole entire comic. The story is, is that, Superman has come down with some sort of sickness that he cannot fight off and it is going to kill him. Yeah. And the, that's how you do it. Yeah. And yeah. like he, it, the whole entire point of this is that there's always another way. Yeah. And it's such an inspiring message, you know, that there is always another way to accomplish something. That once again, dude, and that just reminds me of Superman, Batman, even more here. You have a dude that can fight hurricanes and if he wanted to and he does in kingdom come he could become the dictator of earth yeah you know but instead 
he's talking to this girl out of suicide. Yeah. How beautiful. Yeah. What and, a what a character. And doing so many things. Like, yeah, this like this little short series, it has its big grandiose like superhero moments for yeah, Superman, yeah, but like it's it's the more intimate stuff. Yeah. That really matters. Like those are where superhero stories really, really shine through is whenever they focus more on the internal like human side of things yeah those really personal stories are the ones that are absolutely the most successful yeah absolutely yeah like who better for the dc universe it's grant morrison right yeah the writer of yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. like i can't think of anything more so than like like even more so than bruce clark kent is like the most like empathetic yeah like yeah. caring like this dude is an alien yeah sure but that makes him even better he is just that makes as him much even human better that he's doing this to a planet that doesn't want him yeah and like you know he is just as human as the rest of us he was always clark kent before he was superman yeah there's a you know there's that amazing speech in kill bill yeah you know where you have your superhero like Bruce Wayne, um, who's Bruce Wayne, and then he puts on a costume to become Batman. Superman has to put on a costume to become Clark. Yeah, and it's like that's not the way it is. Yeah, it's always it's always been Superman is the costume. Yes, just as much as any other hero, Superman is the costume because yes. he was always Clark Kent before. Like, yes, yeah, he's an alien, but from the time that he was a baby up until he was an adult he lived in kansas oh it was such bullshit that they killed that they killed uh his dad in man of steel tornado like a bitch what a stupid thing that never needed to happen to anybody it was just another uncle ben moment yeah and why like for what superman one of the best parts about superman is that he's a that he has a family yeah that cares and loves for him and, and, you know, wants to take care of him. Yeah. God damn. I love Superman so much. Yeah. So great. Oh, That's a good God. one. That's a good one right there. Yeah. Yeah. All-star Superman's good. Uh, number twos. Yep. Yeah. Am I going first? Yeah. You two? got this one. See, like this one, <laughs> This one I'm a little worried about because I feel like it might be your number one. Dude, do we have the same number two? I don't know. Maybe. Hold up. We're going to say the quote on three, okay? One, two, three. I, I did, did it 35, 35 minutes, minutes ago. <laughs> yes! <laughs> All right. Let's talk Hell about yeah. it. Let's talk about it. Okay, okay. Let's talk about it. Unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. It's literally whatever two. Yeah, same, same, dude. Me too. <laughs> me too. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was gonna be. Your I name couldn't one. have planned that. <laughs> I've had this list for months. Me too. <laughs> me too, dude. That's and I'll I'm tell saying. you what. I'll tell you what, man. It was really hard picking between this and another moment for number one. It was. This one was almost my number one. Um, but I'll get to you why my number one is my number one whenever I talk about it. Um, fuck, dude, let's talk Adrian Veidt. <laughs> That's 
awesome. I can't. Of all the times I the, the both of us use a Watchmen quote, the same exact one for the same exact pick. Unbelievable, dude. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Yeah. That blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Um, any self-respecting comic book fan has read Watchmen and loves it yeah. so much because it, 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 it's it's magnificent um the th- the themes in it the art in it um the way that have you ever noticed that the speech bub that the the speech bubbles change not just between character and character but also with the decade that the storyline takes place in yeah you know this is a comic on comic on comics right yeah, it's it's a comic book about comic books and that is why it's important right yeah. it isn't it isn't a comic book about superheroes it's a comic book about superhero comics um and adrian Vite is one of the greatest villains ever thought up of he's great you know um um alan moore really really put his foot into the creation of of adrian Vite, uh who wants to fix the world no how does he think he can fix the world by staging an alien invasion of squids wow <laughs> falling from the sky yeah uh, um, an alien invasion of a giant squid a giant interdimensional squid that he plans on releasing into new york city right um during a pale horse concert uh now what's amazing about this is that for the uh, uh, last like issue and a half we're following uh, night owl and rorschach who's finally back together uh trying to stop this ultimate evil of adrian Vite. they realize that he's in his uh antarctic base of karnak Yep. And so they go to confront him and to fight him and to stop what he's doing. Right. And it's really, really awesome uh, uh, watching them go step by step. I mean, this once right here, once again, this is the superhero saga. Yeah. Right. We're fu- we are, our heroes have lost at every point so far. Uh, they're constantly two steps behind, but now they figured it all out and they think they're going to stop him right whenever it's about to go down and prevent him uh, from doing some sort of attack. They're not sure what it's going to be yet, but they know that it's bad. Yeah. Right. They know it's bad because they know that he killed the comedian and they know that he got uh, Dr. Manhattan exiled from earth. The only being with the potential to stop it. Yep. Right. Uh, They get to the base and we get uh, uh, our, our superhero fight scene between Ozymandias, Adrian Veidt, uh, Rorschach, and Night Owl, where Ozymandias beats their asses, right? Because he's faster, he's quicker, he's smarter than them, right? Noah, how does he prove that he's so much smarter than them? Because he already had it done. Because he already did it. He already did it, he did it. 35 minutes prior. It is astounding. It is unreasonable the feeling of triumph. 
every time I read it, it is unreasonable how I feel like so elated. <laughs> I I never until I read that like, until that moment came up. I had never felt such joy over a villain winning. <laughs> like, there's nothing that's never been so satisfying. Oh, he's that great. It, oh, my God. And, like, I can say with absolute certainty that Watchmen is the first graphic novel that I really sunk my teeth into and, like, was absorbed by. Yeah, it's impossible to not be interested. In. Yeah, and, like, Man, I wish that I really wish I would have read the comic first before I ever saw the movie because I saw the movie first. That was oh, my me first too. No, I I, I watched I watched uh, uh, Zack Snyder's uh, Watchmen as well. But what's so great about it is that that is is that I watched that movie and I I still don't feel like it affected how I felt reading it. Yeah, no. And like, I feel like a big part of that is because the movie is basically a one for one recreation of the comic for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah. And like, except he's a coward and took out the giant squid. Yeah. He's a coward. Yeah. He's a coward for doing that. It's got Zack Snyder. You're a coward. (laughs) Noted listener. (laughs) Zack Snyder. Oh, my God. He's a coward for taking out that giant squid like imagine how many imagine how many people only knew about watchmen from the movie never read the comic and then they watched the tv show oh yeah that would have been so strange they would like, what the fuck yeah yeah, yeah. That <laughs> they would have been, been like so whoa strange. wait a second and i just think that there's like so many comic book writers out there that must just be like why the fuck did alan moore have to do that like <laughs> There's nothing that I can write. <laughs> I'm sure that now at this point, Alan Moore is thinking, why the fuck did I do that? Oh yeah. Cause he hates it. He hates Watchmen. <laughs> as he hates everything. He hates everything. Yeah, he as, hates as, everything as, that he's as, ever done. He as, hates any adaptation. Yeah, He hates that people love his work. <laughs> he hates that people will pay money for him. He hates himself. Yeah. He hates himself. He hates his beard. <laughs> He hates his magic. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say he hates being a wizard. Yeah, what a what a weirdo Alan Moore is. What a socialist. What a weird dude. God damn, I love him so much. I obviously do. I have two moments written by him on my personal list. Hell yeah. Um. So now let's get down to the nitty gritty. Number ones. Both of our number twos just That's, got that knocked right out of the park. That was the best. That was. Why don't you hit us with your number one since uh, since we both took over uh, <laughs> for that? So, my number one pick comes from. Surprise, surprise! It's of course a Spider-Man. Moment. <laughs> Everyone knew it was coming. It's a Spider-Man moment. <clears throat> but so, it must say something because, I mean, dude, like. You've probably read more Spider-Man issues than I have read any, like, singular thing, you know? Like, even my favorite comic run, too, is only 60 issues long. Yeah, Spider-Man has been going on since 63. Yeah, and you, like, make it a point to go back and read 63, to read uh, uh, um, the Clone Saga, 
like yeah to, to i made it read the the uh, uh morbius yeah yeah like you make it a point to to go back and read the classic stuff yeah um so that's what i'm saying is like the fact that you read all of this spider-man and you think that this is the most incredible moment in his run i'm excited to hear it personally it is a moment that everybody knows it finally got referenced in the MCU. It's issue 33 of Spider-Man. The entire issue. If this be my destiny. Mm. This is the issue where at the beginning, he is trapped underneath a bunch of rubble from this underwater base. Oh my God. After fighting Doc Ock. This is that issue? Yep. What issue is it? 33. That early? Yep. It's that wow. early. It is the last issue Steve Ditko worked on. No shit. Yep. It is the last issue. And it almost... Noted comic book artist Steve Ditko. The creator of Spider-Man. Yeah. The creator of his design. Yes. Yeah. And we love Stan Lee as much as the next guy. Yep. But the real creator of Spider-Man is Steve Ditko. Not only Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything. Yeah. It oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. And this almost I've never read it. So can you give me like the spark notes version so, of the issue? Leading up to this, uh Aunt May has been sick. She's always <laughs> yeah, it's Aunt May, dude. It's always Aunt May. Yeah. So Spider-Man, he hasn't been Spider-Man for very long. Again, this is the very beginning of his like of his entire existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's only been out for what? less than three years yep out about this god, point what yep. a time to be alive for comics you know i mean i mean god damn dude imagine like and oh god i what i what i wish you know <laughs> oh my god so aunt may sick and as it turns out yeah doc ock has a cure some sort of treatment <clears throat> He like somehow he just comes into possession of this. Yeah. And Spider-Man goes, like Peter goes, hunts him down to get this like antidote for Aunt May. Famous, famous, uh, famous bitch slapper, Doc Ock. <laughs> Explained to Noah before how my favorite thing about Doc Ock is that he has four <laughs> metal limbs that he can telekinetically like control that are made out of metal that is almost indestructible. And the way he fights people is he just slaps them in the face. <laughs> With his actual hand. <laughs> With his actual hand. Like, it's just so disrespectful. <laughs> he just whack! <laughs> Smack! Oh my god. So good. So good. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorite moments in their first fight is he just grabs him by the arm. Yes, he's holding him up with his like tentacles. With metal tentacles. So it's not like he knows that he can't use them. He's holding him up with his metal tentacles. You insolent child. <laughs> and on purpose slaps him across the face with his human hands. Oh my god. Is there a better slapper in the world than Doc Ock? I know, I know what I think. I would hate to go up against one of those slapping competitions. Oh my god, yeah, go on. Sorry, I had to bring that up for some <laughs> stupid reason. So, <clears throat> Doc Ock ends up escaping from this underwater lair and destroys it on top of Peter. Yeah. Peter's trapped underneath all this rubble, and he thinks, I can't do this. I absolutely cannot do this. Like, I'm not strong enough to get all this stuff off the top of me. This is like a bunch of machinery, a bunch of metal, a bunch of like, it's a bunch of rubble. This stuff weighs like 
tons on top of him. And through sheer willpower alone, mm-hmm. pushing himself, Oof. he lifts it off of him Cuts and manages to, yep, manages to escape. Oh, that sheer, is such a that is such a iconic, iconic panel. And like, not even just there's like there's like that little bits of rubble that's like falling yep. down from it. He's shaking. They have like the the lines around his arm yep. shows that he's shaking. Like he purely through willpower alone just pushes through this. Jesus and like fuck, dude. And like for it being Steve Ditko's last issue. What a way to go out on it. Mm. And it almost was Stan Lee's last issue. Really? Yep. At this time, Stan Lee was heavily considering giving up on comics. Oh, wow. The only reason he stayed in the comics as long as he did, he stayed creating stories, is because of his wife. Oh, wow. She convinced him to write one more story. And if he still wanted to be done after that, to be done what was that story if this be my destiny it was this story, it was this story that through creating it stan lee was like no i am gonna keep on pushing because that must have been like the the magnum opus of like his whole thought process that you know the superhero needs to be about the person under the mask instead of being the mask yep right so whenever you know that that's the reason why people started reading marvel and that's like the big difference even you know a lot in today um the world of comic books the reason why marvel and dc are so different is because batman is about batman spider-man's about peter Parker. yeah right and so like whenever he allows himself to have this kind of super creative freedom and and makes the story about not spider-man defeating a villain but getting an antidote to save his aunt who has been his mother you know since he was an infant yeah you know the only living tie to uncle ben who was his mentor and hero you know and and putting him in a situation where he needs to succeed just like there are moments in all of our lives where we need to rise up to that challenge. Yeah. Stan Lee puts Spider-Man in that same predicament, you know, and inspires all of us. Yeah. And like, and that's, and that alone is the reason why it's my number one. It's my, it's my number one moment. It's like, it, it it's my, it's one of my favorite comics ever. Like yeah. it is, it's easily I gotta go back on Marvel Unlimited and read it. Oh my god. It is easily when I was a kid, yeah. I watched the movies <clears throat> and that's how I first really fell in love with Spider-Man. Obviously, I was a kid. Like, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna put time into reading something. Like I just wanna see, like I just wanna see stuff. Oh yeah, whenever I start getting into comic books, because I, I I'd go to the comic swap and I'd find the ones that had the coolest pictures. Yeah, like I was just like I wasn't like, like an into, asshole. Yeah, like, like I just wanted dick. to see like what was cool, and like I just wanted action and stuff like that. It wasn't until like I got a little bit older. I want to say, I want to say I was like 11 years old whenever I first started reading Spider-Man comics, mm-hmm. like properly. Yeah, and. I got issue 33. I was able to read it through uh, 
one of my friends they were like hey you really like, like you really like spider-man i found this like in my dad's stuff and it was that issue so and, cool. oh, and i read it and like so cool i was like spider-man's so cool in the comics i need to read more <laughs> like yeah. i need to read how a lot more be, how couldn't you get hooked at that yeah point? like oh my god and it just yeah. what a moment it's what got me more in the comics like what it a, is what, what fully got me in the comics thing. what a and you know what man here's another thing there are countless 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 other comic book storylines that deal with cities being destroyed that deals with going to the sun that deals with an asteroid coming to destroy earth so they have to stop it that deals with a snap that happens and wipes out half of all living things yeah you know but stan lee is able to write in a way that makes the lifting of a building which in the world of comic books is like it's pretty insignificant yeah like, but it's the story behind that lifting yeah. of the building yeah that it's it yeah, yeah. more so that's so cool oh my god that's so cool i love that and I, it's like it's i'm really, so happy that that's your number one it's really yeah. where i learned that comics are a very they can be a very personal way of like telling very 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 special stories i love that and like it's that sounds it's the reason why like i just i can't like yeah i like the normal like action pack stuff the superhero saga yeah that we that we keep on talking about yeah but you know yeah that is the like that comic alone it's like ever since i read that now i want to read more personal stories and see if i get that same spark yeah and like i'm sure it hasn't not very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. the most recent, the the recent run of Spider-Man now under Nick Spencer, it's going pretty all right. Like I, it's got some moments. Yeah, like I, but there's none, of, but but none of that like jaw dropping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa, that's so cool. That's so cool. It must be so hard picking up the reins of Spider-Man and being like. What the fuck do I do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... Stan Lee made him lift up a building and it was the greatest thing in the world. Now I have to have him lift up the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> oh my God, dude. All right. I got my number one. Um, my number one is also very personal to me. Uh, once again, this goes all the way back to, to whenever I'm in college and I'm picking up my uh, issues, and uh, we're we're going with it. We're going with shoe. Right? I know it. Yeah, yeah. Um, shoe is filled with a menagerie of wonderful characters, all with their own um, food-related ability. Um, so you have Tony Chew who is able to eat something and then tell you about that thing's life, mm-hmm. right? So the, the one example that they use is like, you can take a bite of bacon and tell you how that pig died. You know, um, he could take a bite out of an apple and tell you where that apple was farmed, maybe what pesticides were used on it, depending on how fresh the apple is. He might even be able to tell you the name of the farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he could take a bite out of a disembodied like a, a dislocated finger a mislocated a finger that's been cut off and you know burnt up can't get a print on it but he can take a bite out of it and tell you 
that person's whole life story and why that finger was cut off. Man, I you really know? need to read too. Oh, it's phenomenal. And then you have his twin sister, whose name is Antonelle. They also call her Tony. And hers is that she's able to tell you the future of whatever she bites into, but it only works with living things. <laughs> Tony Anthony Chews works with living and dead. Mm-hmm. Antonelle's only works with living, right? And so they're the, the main villain of, of the series is this dude named The Collector, and he's going around and, and collecting people who have extraordinary food abilities, right? Uh, he has the ability that if he eats them, he gets their power, right? And up until this point, like, I would say that Shu has been like a solid comedy, mm-hmm. super funny, especially for the first half of it. Um, yeah, the first half of it. And, and then we get like a whole volume that's dedicated to Antonelle and like her life. And it's super cool because she's like the sweetest and nicest and funniest person uh, in the cast of, of strange characters. And she accepts everybody. She's just great. I love her so much. I love Antonelle so much. She's the fucking best, right? But she has this power that allows her to see the future. And that is a power that the collector needs, right? So that way he can better strategize and and eventually rule the world. Yeah. You know? So she agrees to uh, uh, marry her on and off again boyfriend, Paneer. And they go wedding dress shopping. And she goes into the fitting room and she never comes out, right? And reading this, my heart is fucking racing. Oh, man. Right? Because, like, I, I think, like, you know, I went to school uh, a little bit for, for writing. And so, like, one of the first cardinal rules of storytelling is, like, if you have a fan favorite character, you've got to do bad shit to them. Yeah. Right. So like, I'm waiting for the foot to drop, you know, I'm thinking that she's something's going to happen. She's going to like lose her leg or something like that. Yeah. Right. And so she never comes out of this, this fitting room. And then I turn this page and it is a full page spread and she's bruised up. She's tied to a chair. She's missing both legs and one arm. Man, and I'm like, what is going on? It's so much worse than you thought it was. Oh my god, it's the worst thing in the world because she's so nice and she cares so much, you know. And you know, obviously, it's the collector with her, and he's like, he's like chopped up some of her and has like little sandwiches. He's like using her arm in like a, a pot of stew, and he's like biting her and he's like why can't i get your power you know i need your power why won't you give it to me you know well chew the only thing that um uh, uh these collectors that uh uh you know tony and the collector have the same power the only food that blocks is it is beets 
It's never explained why. (laughs) (laughs) And it shows kind of like a quick um, um, flashback that for the last week, that's all Antonella's been eating is beets with the hope that she would ingest enough of it that it wouldn't uh, allow uh, uh, the collector to absorb her. And it's working, you know? And he's like, you fucking kill everybody that you love. Like, or I could let them go. You know, she doesn't trust him, obviously. He's eaten three of her four limbs, you know? And once again, Tony is just like so funny and so charismatic. And she's now being eaten and so heartbreaking. And it isn't only heartbreaking because that's happening to her, but like her attitude has changed too, you know? And and obviously the whole tone of the comic has Oh my God, too. dude, it is so awful reading it. That just, that you sounds know? like it went straight into a horror. It absolutely did. It absolutely <laughs> did. And I'm reading it with my, my like doormate is like sitting right where you're sitting to me. And I'm just reading it. And like, I'm like, what is going on here? He's playing his video games like, Hey, what's going on? And I'm like, can't even explain to him what's happening. Right. And so, and so he's like berating her, like trying to psychologically torture her. And eventually she's like, I could tell you your future. And I don't even need to eat you to tell you your future. I can tell you that you're going to die. And you're going to die because of my brother. And there's nothing you can do that will stop that from happening. (laughs) Even if you could gain my ability, all you would see is that you would die. Oh my God. Right. And so he, he keeps on, on, on screaming at her. It's super aggressive. It's super intense. And, and he tells her, tell me my real future. And in the most true to Antonel Chu reaction that she could possibly give in this horrible moment where she's missing her legs and her arm, she's being eaten alive. She looks at this dude right in the face and says, suck an egg. <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome and then he snaps her head all the way around doing like a 180 that's not awesome it wasn't (laughs) that is not awesome at all it wasn't and this is something that scared me so much whenever it happened i threw my comic book away from me (laughs) like flew across our living space oh my god (laughs) again sounds like what straight from a comedy to a horror comic oh my god yeah and 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 i mean there's so much more in this issue that i could have i could have picked there's another like subplot between her and and velasquez another one of the people um that's super sweet and super lovely and super amazing um, but i'm not going to tell you that because you need to read show yourself <laughs> and i'm already spoiling a good bit of it right now telling you this um and from that moment on, not only did I know that I, I had to finish Chew, right? I had to finish it. I had to. Because I needed the collector to be killed <laughs> for doing this to my 
Tony Chu. <laughs> you know? But it also set a bar subconsciously for me. That, like, if something surprising or unexpected or a storyline took a certain turn to something, I would say to my roommate, oh, that was just like uh, uh, Chew Volume 6 mm-hmm. or Chew Volume, yeah, 6. I'd be like, yeah, Chew Volume 6 level. You know, like, it, it is a bar in my personality. <laughs> that things like either pass or they don't and most things don't you know my god there's never been a moment while i've been reading comics that has been more intense and more like demonstrative of like what grand stories can be told through comic books and up until that moment I knew that like I was going to be a a comic book collector, but I didn't know the way that comic books can make me feel. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know the, the type of ways that you could get attached to fictional characters. You know, I've, I've, I read, I watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of TV shows, but it's always under the the lens of that I know that this is a TV show, so I don't really care about the characters. Yeah. You know, I know this is a movie, so I can't really think about them as real people. Mm-hmm. And then Antonel Chu comes along and steals my heart. <laughs> you actually feel genuine emotion for it. And I felt real emotion for it. Like, not just, like, a a passing by, you know, flip of the page. Mm -hmm. This was something that I I told my roommate that I wish I never picked up Chew. (laughs) Because of how, like, it impacted you. Yeah, and every, I I reread Chew every year. You know, I, I do it right around March or April. And every single time I pick up that one, I'm like, boy here we fucking go again <laughs> let's tear my heart right out yeah you know because i know as soon as she says suck an egg which once again is just like it's so hilarious because it's like it's so her it's so her if there is if there's a set of final words that i want to go out saying i want it to be that oh like, i want to look i want to look god right in the face and just tell him to suck an egg it's just so amazing dude yeah um, and it's almost because of that moment alone that shoe is my favorite comic book series ever. You know, there's nothing that has that I've read that has gotten me to that level, and <sighs> comic book wise, it, there just hasn't been. And you see my collection behind you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's substantial. There's enough there that can that can get you interested in things. But there, then there's that little colorful sliver of Chew Comics. And then we go and meet these wonderful characters. And it just does so much, you know? It proves multiple things. One, characterization is important. Two, suspense, terror, horror, uh, 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 the unexpected can happen in any medium. And Whenever you have that perfect blend of art 
and story, that's when you have a graphic novel. Oh, man. You know? And I don't think there's anything, just like you, with that Spider-Man 33, there's no better medium to tell grand stories than comic books. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. There's easily, easily comic books are the best. They are the most comparable to the legends of mythology. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Comics are to us what mythology is to like the greeks yeah like yeah man yeah it informs it informs us uh, of of not only um hope but it also inspires us to be better people it makes us think critically of the society around us it helps us wean out who you can trust and who you can't trust you know mythology died off and was replaced by mainstream religion but then mythology came back yeah at the flip of a page in a span of panels yeah you know yeah and that's that you know yeah like and without and without Antonel Shu getting killed. And without Spider-Man lifting up a building, you know, I don't know if we would be the same people we are today. I can guarantee without any sort of doubt that I definitely wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I I think that I would still be. I would I think I would be more so just a passive Spider-Man fan. Yeah. Then I would be a like big comic book fan as I am. Yeah. yeah, yeah Cuz yeah. like without reading that and without having the emotional connection to it that I do, that I did, I would not have wanted to explore further into comics. I wouldn't have wanted to go searching for more stories that i can connect with like that i wouldn't have gone down such a giant rabbit hole that i have never gotten out of and probably am never going to get out of i hope not dude because oh my god this is so fun (laughs) yeah yeah, it's the best it is the best and like definitely more like (sighs) comics are just such a unique form of storytelling compared to like compared to novels compared to video games compared to television compared yeah. to movies like comics are their own media entirely yeah and, and i know that that's and whenever like, you and, uh, and but like here's the deal dude here's the deal any movie can be a movie yeah but there are certain movies that are art yeah you know any song can be a song yeah but there are certain songs that are timeless yeah you know there are there are way more comic books that I read and I was like, yeah, that was okay. You know, over like the comic books that I love. Yeah. 
you know, but man, whenever you find that one that like speaks to you. Yeah. It's, and you gotta see it through, you know, there's nothing that needs to like, you need to, there's a, there's a part of you that, you know, won't be complete. Yeah. Until you see how this ends. Yep. You know, oh my God, dude, like, (laughs) man, just thinking about like, just thinking about how into comics I am. (laughs) We're going to see how much we both are into them uh, uh, in the oncoming uh, uh, weeks. Um, I think this was a good one. (laughs) I don't know if it was good or bad (laughs) because this is the first one. But I'm happy we did it. Yeah, we finally actually did it. We've been planning this now for like <laughs> well over a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like our picks. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we both have, you know, I think that uh, uh, anybody who listens to this, if anybody listens to it, um, will now have a kind of better understanding of where we come from. Yeah as comic book fans and at the very least hopefully one of us has convinced someone to read one of these and hopefully they just get a little bit more interested in comics themselves yeah and i hope that that my massive spoiler for uh 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 two uh 30 um specifically that one that that's it yeah 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 volume volume uh six deep space cakes uh, <laughs> what the fuck kind of name is that they all have fun names that's uh, not a very fun issue to have that kind of name dude if you saw this the the cover for it it's you'd be like well i can't believe that this would happen in here um <laughs> it's just you know that's only halfway through that there's a ton of story <laughs> you know there's a ton of story there's a cybernetic luchador murderous chicken <laughs> All right, don't tell me anymore. I need to read this. <laughs> yeah, that one sounds amazing. Uh, uh, well, I think that'll be it for us uh, 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 for this episode. What an episode. Yeah, it's <laughs> so long. super long. <laughs> you know, in- what an introductory episode. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, might be, we might have to pace ourselves better. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. That way. <laughs> Yeah, once again, uh, once again, uh, this has been your host, uh, Mundo over here. Noah Schilling. And and we'll see you guys uh, next time. Or won't, because this is a podcast. <laughs> You're just listening to our voices. Yeah, that's how podcasts work. This would be some... <laughs> this would be now some we're just, interesting yeah, now we're just rambling. 